plenty of news and uh, events to cover from this week this week on the weekly and we'll be talking about the highest ever quarterly exports that we've had at 95 billion dollars upi transactions reaching 2.8 billion dollars and man it's raining down all of these numbers and figures right so <laughs> ipos this year being the best ever at 27000 crores and then 100 years of former prime minister pv narsim rao some of the new measures announced by finance ministry and of course to round it off a stellar performance by indian archers at the world archery championship so yeah we have an action packed uh, weekly lined up for you before that let's talk a little bit about the episode that we put out last week i had a very nice uh, comprehensive discussion on the state of jammu and kashmir with uh, dr call and uh, shri virinder call both of them are activists from the global kashmiri diaspora and they've been invested in this uh, for the last 20 30 years of their life and you know we all hear about the atrocities that happened the tragedy that happened with the kashmiri pandits leaving india in the uh, the exodus in 89 90 and so on right and what has happened to the state after that but this was a first hand view of everything that's happened and uh, you know the sheer tragedy and the uh, the things that have happened to them and how they're coping how they're keeping their community alive in this uh, uh, through all of these years and the great thing was i mean they seemed very optimistic for what has happened over the last couple of years especially with the abrogation of uh, you know article 370a and you know going forward politically things like the delimitation for example will give more rights to kashmiri pandits for sure so fantastic uh, episode definitely definitely check it out uh, it should be part of your listening so yeah with that out of the way so india reached its highest ever quarterly exports with 95 billion dollars worth of products being exported exports in india reached uh, increased to 32460 usd million in june from 32270 usd million in the month of may this growth can be attributed to healthy growth in engineering engineering rice oil mills and marine products as well as other sectors main exports include precious and semi precious uh, stones mineral fuels vehicles and accessories pharmaceutical products uh, and so on india's main export partners include the united states uae hong kong china and singapore union minister piyush goel said it was the highest ever merchandise exports in a quarter in the history of the nation india's trade deficit stood at 9.4 billion dollars last month so abhishek are we seeing some sort of a resurgence of the indian export market thanks shari so yeah i mean if we take a step back and look at the numbers first for uh, the last uh, financial year india's merchandise exports were down about 7% right due to the pandemic and finished the year at about 291 billion dollars and the services exports were down by around 4% at around uh, 200 205 billion dollars so now interestingly india's current account which is and balance of payments which is also being talked about in the media the first time we had a surplus of 0.9% of the gdp right in 17 years as the trade deficit narrowed due to the contraction due to pandemic related you know demand contraction coming back to you know the topic right exports uh, despite the pandemic uh, by around december 2020 the indian merchandise exports were back to about the one year back levels and things have been steadily ticking up since then so the number that you mentioned you, uh, 95 billion dollars is the merchandise exports part of it right this is a 85% uh, 
jump year over year of course last year's numbers are adversely impacted due to the start of the pandemic so if we compare with fi 19 q1 right with uh, the numbers are about 17% higher and as you said this is the highest ever quarter surpassing q4 of uh, fi 21 with which did 90 billion right so the another number that is being talked about is that we have done now four straight months of 30 billion dollar plus exports right which is also first time that we have had such a consistent you know numbers coming up on that front for the full fiscal year right from april 21 to march 22 the target is 400 billion dollars and we have done 95 in the first quarter so it's a good start towards that as you said some of the sectors doing well are uh, you know engineering goods rice spice and oil meals marine product but also i think we are doing well on the labor intensive sectors in terms of services the data does come in a little lower but the first two months data seems to indicate we were doing about 6% year over year growth so we are back on growth on that side as well and some of the steps which the government has taken which has helped in the recent times include you know simplification of processes extension of timelines and licenses so the compliance front has sort of been helped out for the exporters by the government and also they have been working to clear the due spending to exporters in an expeditious manner but broadly if you look at the macro picture some of the things helping in bringing back demand are you know increased vaccination lower number of cases especially in the developed world right also supply chains are functioning better i mean we saw freight charges etc go up significantly last year but i think suppliers have now re- renegotiated rates with end customers and so things have kind of smoothened in that manner so overall things looking up on the export front uh, let's see how the next uh, quarter goes fantastic always good to start with a dose of optimism so in more optimism upi has set a new record with 2.8 billion transactions in june this is also a record for the highest transaction volume and value the collective value of the transactions is around 547303 crore this is a 10.6% jump in volume and a 11.56% jump in value as compared to may of this year the upi ecosystem is primarily dominated by three players phone pay google pay and paytm as of may phone pay had 45.27% market share followed by google pay and paytm with 34.67% and 11.44% market share respectively shibatsa it's almost like you know every few months we discuss uh, you know upi transactions hitting a new high right and uh, you know we did this uh, recent episode on digital payments and i mean we, we did an older one with nikhil and deepak on the value of upi and you know the potential for the future all of those seem to be like gaining uh, momentum yeah i mean upi has been uh, i think a game changer when it comes to payments in india upi is not exactly new i mean it was started a uh, few months before demonetization so it's a five year old product it's taken a while to kind of uh, to kind of grow but once it started growing post demonetization there's literally been no stopping it we hit 1 billion transactions a month in october 2019 that was also the time upi hit 100 million users so it took about 3 3 and a half years to get to 100 million users if you look at any social media product today i don't think they would have 
you know reached 100 million users faster than upi so that's that's been the scale of growth and the rate at which it has you know become popular regulators had their part to play they doubled the transaction limits from 1 lakh to 2 lakh you know 1 lakh was the limit for imps uh, they doubled it to 2 lakhs imps is basically the technology behind upi in the next one year it doubled again to october 2020 and you know it was again fueled primarily by festive shopping recovery after the first covid wave and so on this year actually during the second wave the volumes had fallen from around 2.7 billion in march to 2.5 billion in june there were two consecutive months of drops but again with the economy recovering it kind of showed that it's it was not uh, driven by anything else other than pure economic factors so the adoption is going it's now hit 2.8 billion the beauty of upi i think as we covered both in the initial episode with nikhil and deepak and then the monica uh, and ritu was the ease of use and uh, one of the other reasons is that you know it's not it's very cheap and it's instant right but that has kind of brought its own share of issues the failure rates in upi are among the highest there is a need to make you know upi more worthwhile for banks to invest in uh, infrastructure they should be able to make money some money out of upi so that they can continue to invest and support this growth right otherwise uh, if people start seeing a lot of failure in upi transactions there is a good chance that you know they'll switch to other ways of payments even though it costs money or the worst case situation is they'll uh, probably switch to cash which will take away a lot of effort that has been put in to move people to digital banking uh, upi is uh, it's something that actually india can export to the world for a long time we've heard of india just being you know a services shop when it comes to technology uh, but i think with things like the jam trinity upi there is a good opportunity for india to export foundational technology for a country to other countries that yeah. uh, that need to move uh, you know quickly on the digitization path yeah absolutely i think not just the fact that it's leagues ahead right i think this kind of a framework can be replicated on multiple different axes right uh, for instance the health uh, sector and so on and so forth right all right uh, continuing with the optimism the half yearly report card for ipos is out and we have raised something like 27000 crores for half half the year a total of 23 companies uh, came out with their ipos and also got listed during the first 6 months of 2021 these 23 companies raised a total sum of uh, 33166 crore between them sorry i got that number wrong uh, a total of 17 of these 23 ipos happened in the may 21 quarter there was a virtual drought of ipos for 75 days between end march and mid june due to the new merchant banking norms proposed by sebi we are yet to see the big bang ipos like the multi billion dollar ipos of paytm and lic expected to happen this year um, however experts hope that 2021 could be an all time record year for ipos in india so abhishek what do you think about this and uh, more importantly how many allocations did you get so yeah as you said i mean the first half has been uh, one of the best if not the best right so we did about 27000 plus crores uh, i think 2018 was about 23000 plus right so really a strong first half uh, there is an abundance of liquidity as well as you know strong investor enthusiasm that is 
driving this and as you said the second half looks big right so apart from the companies you mentioned there is talk of zomato aditya birla sun life amc and so on right so uh, you know the number for uh, h2 of calendar year 21 could be uh, more than 40000 crores right so that's uh, that's a big number and as you said last year was very lackluster around this time with just one single ipo of sbi cards right due to the covid outbreak so so far this year some of the notable ones are like mtar technologies uh, nazara technologies uh, sham metallics easy trip so these ones were among the highest over subscriptions right so including more than 100 times i mean it was about 139 times for mtar right so really uh, strong enthusiasm uh, size wise you had sona comstar at 5000 crores plus indian railways finance corporation 4000 crores plus and so on so you know there is a lot of uh, liquidity out there which is chasing the primary markets and uh, the trend that is sort of continuing for the last few years is that ipos have now become a big uh, vehicle for existing pe funds or vc funds or you know shareholders and from existing shareholders and promoters to seek a very good exit right and if you look at the offer of for sale part of the ipos right which is the ones where the existing shareholders whether it is vc or promoters etc how much they are going out so that's about 62% for the ipo number while about 37% was for pure you know fresh capital generation and this is a trend that has been going on for some times in fact last two years the trend was more than 70% if you look at the comparatives now this is this a good thing or bad i don't know it's a debatable point right you know people will say that you need to be pretty selective because if for example the valuations are already peaking then there may not be a lot of money to be made for investors but at the same time you know this sort of moment in the market is bringing fast growth or high growth companies for the investors you know public to sort of partake in that growth so it it, it can work out both ways but you know in general the favorable market conditions are expected to sort of continue i think and i mean one interesting thing uh, that all of us would have seen is with a lot of people working from home you know i think the general sort of small investor participation seems to have increased in this uh, you know work from home conditions where you know people have bit more time on their hands right and the stock market seems to be sort of attracting that kind of new or casual investor as well i think you yeah. should add a disclaimer there saying that this is not to be taken as investment advice <laughs> yes of course of course yeah Uh, we did a couple of episodes uh, i remember i think we did a long india episode with uh, ms radhika gupta right where she covered plenty of these aspects and then we did one with govind and uh, yeah. uh, mr ashish somaya as well on the market specifically do check out these episodes they tell you what's happening from a markets perspective right moving on so pv narsimha rao's birth centenary of course the former prime minister's birth centenary will be celebrated in a grand manner across telangana telangana chief minister Shri K. Chandrasekhar Rao announced that the former Prime Minister P. V. Narasimha Rao's birth centenary celebrations would be organized for one year. P. V. N. R. was known as a, 
was not just a prime minister he was a freedom fighter educationist and a literary figure you also served as minister of external affairs and home minister for india during the time during his time in the ministry of external affairs he strengthened indian relations with countries like ussr bangladesh iran and more shrivatsa we often feel like uh, you know he wasn't really given his due uh, right and especially the way his party treated him uh, in his later years right so your thoughts yeah i mean uh, that was unfortunate but i think there is a there is so much to admire about pv narsimha rao is a you know very old school politician he was he was one of those freedom fighters who ended up in politics his first stint in a leadership role as chief minister of the then undivided andhra pradesh was uh, was not very good but however he became one of india's greatest prime ministers in fact he is the first uh, prime minister who is not from the nehru gandhi family to have actually completed a full term so he holds that distinction as well pv narsimha rao was not just a politician right he was he was a literator of sorts he was a polyglot who as we are reminded constantly by our friends from pune studied in pune and he actually translated some of the famous uh, marathi books into telugu he also translated books from other languages such as hindi into telugu so he was pretty much an old school politician uh, unlike you know today's politics which is mostly bipartisan and you almost never acknowledge the opposite side pv narsimha rao was different both in andhra pradesh and at the center he sent the then opposition leader sri atal bihari vajpayee ji to the un to represent india's side right and uh, that was one of the most i think bipartisan decisions that a prime minister has ever made in india when it came to economic reforms he stood by a rock with manmohan singh there was a lot of criticism at that time there were threats of strikes bans he withstood all of that and put india on the path to economic reform i doubt you know the finance minister would have been able to achieve as much without the support of pv narsimha rao he also changed a lot of india's foreign policy right he reached out to israel the roots of uh, india's strong relations with israel were pretty much laid by him he started what was famously known as the lukis policy and uh, today some of india's largest trading partners are from southeast asia uh he was also pretty firm even though people thought that he was a weak prime minister but he stood up to the us he never gave up india's nuclear independence uh, although there was a test nuclear test that he tried but he ended up backing off uh, because the us came came to know about it but all in all there were a lot of uh, achievements for india during his term as a prime minister be it foreign policy be it economics ec- the economy or be it defense as well he was a lifelong learner not many people know that he actually learned how to program in his 60s and you know his doctor suggested some exercises as he was getting old you know to counter arthritis he didn't do those exercises he used that time to actually type on the keyboard and write more so you know that in essence was pv narsimha rao he was uh, he was self called lifelong learner polyglot and you would almost call him an accidental politician mostly because of his you know background in freedom struggle right moving on finance minister shri nirmala sitaraman ji announced eight relief measures to combat covid 19 she stated that one item on the list was related to health infrastructure especially in tier 2 and tier 3 cities 
This measure guarantees 75% coverage for new projects and 50% coverage for expansion projects over three years. There's also been another set of eight items pertaining to growth exports and employees of which six are new. Some other relief measures announced include an extension on the emergency credit line guarantee scheme, a new credit guarantee scheme launched to provide loans to small borrowers and a scheme to revive tourism and more. So Abhishek, I know you had a slide prepared for this. Can you take us through some of these uh, new measures and what impact they might have? Sure, Kari. So the headline number that is being talked about in the media is uh, 6,29,000 crores. And there are a total of 17 measures in that, right? Now, these measures can be broadly clubbed into three broad categories. Firstly, economic relief. Uh, second is, uh, you know, public health. And third is impetus for growth and employment, right? So if you look at the first part of it, that's where a chunk of the value is. About 376 lakh crores are for this. And the major ones include a loan guarantee scheme for uh, COVID affected. And finally, about 93,000 crores are for the free food grain, which the PM had announced right in his address to the nation, which is under the PMGKY scheme, right? So that sort of takes the first part of it, right? And then you have public health related 15,000 crores. That is for mainly for, uh, you know, children related and pediatric related healthcare. And finally, the last category is for, you know, uh, 237,000 crores for growth and employment. The major one in this is basically uh, the power sector related reforms. So let me talk about a couple of these schemes in a bit of details. So as you, as we all know, the tourism sector is, you know, really badly impacted, right? So, so one of the relief measures is sort of targeted heavily towards this sector. So in India, we have about 11,000 registered tourist guides and so on, right? So under the loan guarantee scheme, they will be able to get, you know, working capital and personal loans uh, with, you know, sort of much more ease. And they will get tourism and travel stakeholders as they are called. TTS can get loans up to 10 lakhs while sort of tourist guides individuals can get loans up to 1 lakh and then there are some other benefits right so they can avail lo- uh, this with no processing charges there's no there's a waiver for foreclosure and prepayment charges and so on another scheme for this tourism sector is you know the first 5 lakh tourist visas will be issued free of charge so i think it's good that the government is sort of looking at this sector i mean the hospitality industry in general really sort of needs our help at this moment the other one under the impetus for growth and employment pillar that i would like to just touch upon is the sort of reforms related to the discoms right so the number here is 97631 crores which is center's contribution the overall project here is about 33000 crores and this is spread till 2025-26 year, right? So what is this all about? The scheme is to provide financial assistance to DISCOMs for infrastructure creation, upgradation of their systems and so on. And 
this is sort of trying to remove a one size fits all approach and have state specific interventions and i think there are pretty clear pre qualification criteria which have been published to the states and once the states are able to comply with these criteria and meet the conditions they will be able to get these uh, you know uh, reforms and support from the central government in place basically what is also happening is that there are a number of current schemes right like the saubhagya scheme or the deen dayal upadhyay yojana so all these are getting merged into this revamped program right and in addition i think the states have already been allowed to additionally borrow up to 0.5% of their state domestic product and that will also continue so all that is subject to you know states following achieving the targets laid under this program and then the reforms can continue under this pillar right fantastic overall i think the theme of this weekly is fairly optimistic and in more good news uh, deepika kumari has backed gold at the world archery cup taking her to the number one spot in the world she has regained the number one position after her hat trick of medals at stage 3 she claimed medals in three recurve events women's individual team and mixed pair she is the only se- she is only the second indian woman after dola banerji to grab the number one status in june uh, she will be the only indian woman archer to represent the country at the tokyo olympics uh, next month what's up pretty exciting news uh, from the world of sports absolutely i think the thing with archery is archery is a fairly recent sport in india right i mean it came to india only in the 70s though we have a long history of archery at least uh, in terms of itihas and so on but uh, it it has been a fairly neglected sport so in that sense people have had to you know work hard and come up on their own it was only recently that you know the modi government has put archery as one of the top 6 priority sports obviously outside of cricket which pretty much runs on its own and another thing with archery is that you know there has never been a hero as such right so for instance when it came to shooting you had rajavardhan singh rathod who won the silver and then immediately in the next olympics you had abhinav bindra who won gold and there are clear role models and heroes when it comes to shooting today which is why we continue to see good performances they may not be winning olympic golds and so on but indian shooting is considered to be of a fairly high standard globally and i think deepika kumari can probably play that same role when it comes to archery we've had successful archers like limbar ram in the past but they've not you know been able to win uh, medals at the olympic level right and deepika kumari has been pretty much a phenomenon in the sense that she won three golds in this world cup and overall she's won uh, more than 25 medals in world cups right which is which puts her in a pretty elite league uh, in this world cup itself she you know won a team event then won another event with her husband atanu das and then won an individual gold as well not just that in addition so as part of deepika's team you had ankita bhakat and komalika bari so they won the women's team event in addition abhishek verma also clinched gold in the compound section so uh, all in all i think it's been a great performance by the indian archers and possibly with more support coming in for the sport 
and hopefully you know we win something in the olympics i think the sport itself has a great future ahead in india fantastic all right that's a wrap from us here at the weekly but before we leave a few announcements so upcoming on bharat vartha we have a couple of episodes more than a couple in fact uh, right so we have a, a premium subscriber only episode on ayodhya where uh, vivek kethan who's a history enthusiast will be taking you through the significance and the road ahead with ayodhya itself and then i will be talking to shri nk choudhury the following week of course he's an industry legend and you know we'll be talking to him about how he's taking indian arts and artisans to the world right and also we are on patreon right so that's another channel for all of you to support us on do definitely join our community and uh, from the 51st weekly onwards the bharatvarta weekly will be premium only we hope that all of you join us on the journey ahead so otherwise that's a wrap from us uh, thank you so much again for joining us uh, on this very lovely sunday morning hope you having a great time and from abhishek vatsan myself see you next time take care